TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. We have so many great guests scheduled in this hour. I'm really looking forward to our conversation with the author of a new book called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. Lucas Miles joins us. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on. This is an interesting topic because I see a lot of pastors have to deal with a lot of different messages and things that come into their church, and then some decide to roll with it, some decide to reject it, fight it. But all of them in the back of their mind think, uh, how's this going <laughs> to How's this going to impact us, right? So uh, some are very tempted to go away from the Word of God in order to try to compromise, in order to keep people inside of the building, and that has really damaged, I think, a lot of people's faiths, and they may not even know it or understand it right now. I think that's absolutely true. And look, I don't, I don't think that any, you know, good pastor stands up and goes, man, I, I can't wait to distance myself from the word. But I think over time it happens and there's temptations to really draw people away. You know, in this book, The Christian Left, one of the things I talk about is that, you know, the Christian left is really this growing constituency of Christians who have been impacted by progressive ideology, liberal theology, and really Marxist theory. And it's becoming a real problem. So how long have you been a pastor of a church? So I've been a pastor, I started preaching at 17, and I'll be 42 this year. I've been at the same church for, this going on 17 years now. Okay, so how, when did you start recognizing this trend inside the church? You know, I, I probably started speaking out against this, you know, as, as uh, long as at least a decade ago. Uh, and starting to see this trend rise up. Now, in recent years, it's gained a tremendous amount of momentum. And I started this writing this book two years ago. And even in that time, I feel like the problem has doubled since I started writing it. Wow. And I think a lot of different theories and things have started to pop up in some of these churches. And I, I don't um, pay attention a lot to some of the different political things that go on in some of these mega churches, but it's hard to ignore it sometimes. And it's tough because you have to keep your guard up because some of these messages that come in and the ones that are being pushed to you from the pulpit could be very anti-biblical and you don't even understand it. There might be other motivations of why they're pushing it. And sometimes you don't know and you don't know to question or talk to your pastor about it. And so there's a lot of things that go on, and I think in different people's minds. they, uh, you know. And for me, I've been a Christian for 
I think I was baptized about 11 years ago or so. I, I don't know the exact date, which yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, Christians do. I just don't remember it. But um, I, I started to notice this and I started to realize that there's just a lot of different tactics used in different churches in order to try to continue to get you to come as opposed to relying on the word to do that for them. And I really noticed it when you start looking for a new church, when we moved to St. Louis about four years ago and you start to travel and look around and you'd see different styles of, uh, you know, how churches handle certain things. Sometimes you recognize these things, that there's these compromises that go on in order to get people through the door. And it's very troubling if you know the difference. You know, I think that compromise word, I think that's an important word right there, because, you know, I'm not necessarily worried or maybe addressing in this book, you know, simply different styles of worship or, you know, minor, you know, the, you know, theological differences between denominations. Those things exist. I have my opinions about them. But I think we can be united as the body of Christ, um, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ. The problem, though, is when we start compromising you know, really issues related to the divinity of Jesus, issues related to the authority of Scripture, issues related to, uh, you know, really how we define sin, or do we still believe in some sort of, um, you know, uh, idea of original sin or moral depravity, and and really how churches handle those things kind of set the stage for how they interact with individuals, how they interact politically, and this is, you know, this this is becoming so prevalent. It started— really at an academic level. You know, we first saw it in professors, then it crept into our pastors, and now it's really creeping into the pew. And we're seeing Jesus exchange, you know, for no longer viewed as the savior of the world, and now he's a great social organizer. And it, this Marxist theory is really destructive, you know, to uh, the Christian faith. So this uh, this theory that you speak of that starts to come in, in, there's a name for it, and it's slipping my mind right now. And uh, uh, The critical race theory would be, you know, one of the— Race theory yeah. is exactly it. Yes, that's that's what I was thinking of. Um, you're right. And I think we start to adapt to today's modern culture as opposed to adapting to God's culture. And that is a problem because a lot of times we try to just take what is in the Bible and then, you know, you're, you're either wishy-washy, like, you know, it's, you know, this is just too strict or this is too much or, you know, people won't resonate with this or this is old school. It's not how it's done anymore. And that's the problem. It, it, it starts to warp the word so much. And, you know, I don't know. How many people do you think recognize this? Do you think most people do and are maybe complacent with it? Or do you think some people just don't understand? You know, I think within what I would call the Christian left or, you know, progressive Christianity, and some people don't even like that term because they'll say, well, these people aren't Christians at all. You know, it's not my it's not my jo- job to kind of come out and judge, you know, whether or not somebody's saved or not. But I think that we have to use terminology in order to. Re- mm-hmm. And so you know, among the Christian left, there's sort of two types. There's sort of this militant group that. You know, they know exactly what they're doing. They've kind of in, in, embraced this, this what I would call deconversion experience, where they're detaching themselves from traditional evangelical Christianity or traditional Catholicism, and they're, they're kind of uh, heading out into these divergent dark waters of, of progressive ideology. The second group is really, you know, coming across this, uh, this, this Christian leftism, you know, rather honestly, and, and they're, they're unknowing about really what they are are being fed. It's coming from places and people that they trust. And, you know, because a lot of people don't know the Bible very well today, they haven't studied 
scripture or theology or they haven't read, you know, um, uh, you know, original source documents or whatnot, like maybe you would have had more so in the past. It's very easy to kind of fall into these fallacies and this deception. And, you know, one day they wake up not even recognizing how far they've drifted, you know, much like undertow at the beach, you know, from where they started. So where is your church located? So I'm in South Bend, Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Indiana. So part of, I was in Fort Wayne there for a while, but we had some yeah. radio stations up there that, that worked in that. So you, you have a big Catholic population with Notre Dame being right there. Huge and Catholic that, pop. Yeah, I would say it's probably yeah. the most Catholic city in America outside of Boston. You know, it's, it's, uh, we're certainly a capital for that. So do you have problems? Do you find that it might be regional? Some areas might be more susceptible to this than others? You know, it, 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 certainly that's the case. I mean, there there are you know uh, areas that I think typically are are left leaning. Um, you know, states and and cities you know tend to you know you probably see more progressive ideology within the churches as well. You know, here in this area, honestly, um, I feel like there are many within the Catholic Church that I've been very encouraged by. I'm a Protestant, uh, but I oftentimes find myself kind of speaking out uh, in defense of uh, Catholic brothers and sisters that have still kind of stood on. Uh, you know, uh, traditional biblical concepts. I mean, Catholics are really fighting for pro-life issues right now. Uh, they're really fighting for, you know, traditional marriage issues right now. And I think oftentimes, you know, they're doing so in a way that, uh, you know, I think Protestants could, could take note of. Um, but, uh, you know, this area, this is, uh, you know, we, we were under the, uh, the rule and reign of uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg for, uh, for a number of <laughs> yeah. years here. And, um, you know, and, and, and I've met Pete before, you know, a number of occasions. I actually interviewed him, uh, uh, did a brief interview with him a couple of years back. And, you know, he's a nice guy, but I think he's, he's a perfect example of the Christian left. He's sort of a poster child for this. And, you know, you could be a nice guy and still be really wrong when it comes to faith. And so I, I see him using faith as, as really an opportunity to push an agenda that he has. And I think that it is completely contrary uh, to what Christ has called us to do. And although he might do it very genuinely, he might, you know, truly believe the things that he's saying, I, I really believe that what he is, you know, sharing does not align with Scripture, and it should be rejected. This is important to, to, to draw the line to understand that there's a lot of ways that people align with something that is a man-made idea, maybe popular in culture today, versus the idea of what is spelled out in the Bible, which is aligning yourself with God. And I, I, I'm loving this so far. Do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to keep talking to you about your book, uh, The Christian too. Left. And if Happy people too. wanted to find you online, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can head over to lucasmiles.org. Um, or they can uh, hit me up on social media. I'm typically under Lucas Miles, L-U-C-A-S-M-I-L-E-S, or uh, sometimes M-R Lucas Miles if it's on Instagram or Facebook. Great. We'll continue right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. KMOX is St. Louis's news, talk, sports, radio. Welcome back to Overnight America. Our guest this hour is author Lucas Miles in his book, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. And I was remembering something when I was in Indiana. I was there when uh, it was the Catholic Bishop Darcy passed away, and he was such mm -hmm. a big figure 
in that region and of course with Notre Dame and one of the things that he was known for is speaking out against Notre Dame when President Obama <laughs> was welcome to come speak there in his issues on abortion and some of these things that were anti-Christian how would you bring him in to speak and you know he got a lot of criticism for something like that I admired him even though I'm not Catholic I admired <laughs> that he was able to stand up and say something about that it, it seems like we don't have enough large figures speaking out against things anymore. I mean, look, if they do, they get silenced. And this is what I call in the book Herodian politics. And so in the Bible, there was this guy, King Herod, and he loved to hear John the Baptist preach. And he would actually go and listen to him. And it says that he you know, would frequently do this. Well, the problem was he liked John the Baptist until John the Baptist said something that he didn't agree with or something that addressed his own you know, issues in life himself. And at that point, you know, him along with uh, uh, Herod, along with his, you know, uh, uh, two ladies in his life, ended up putting John the Baptist's head on a platter and, you know, chopped it off. And this is exactly how the, the left treats the church. They will use religion. They will enjoy religion until it, it really disagrees with them or calls them out on their, their lunacy or their behavior. And at that point, they will dismiss it, silence it and do away with it. How do you think this plays into pop culture? Because I know it's outside the church, but there's different uh, celebrities and, you know, influencers or whatever that will say things and they'll try to almost hijack Christianity in a way to say that. No, no, no. Uh, you need to listen to the way I interpret it, which is, you know, fill in the blank, blank, something that's very much in line with, you know, today's worldly views as opposed to any biblical views. Yeah, you know, so um, in addition to being a pastor, I also own a, a film production company. I've done deals with Netflix, Redbox, Walmart, Sony Showtime. You know, we've, we've produced multiple feature films. I've spent a lot of time in Hollywood. And I say that, you know, from a place of credibility that, you know, I've been in these circles. I, I know, you know, I know certain celebrities. I've been around them, especially some of those that, you know, are, are maybe more outspoken about their faith. And I'll say this, and it, this isn't necessarily their fault, but celebrities are really hard to disciple. And if a celebrity comes to your church, you know, if you had, you know, let's just toss out names that we've seen in the last couple of years talking about their faith, a Kanye West or a Justin Bieber attending your church, it's a hard thing to disciple somebody in that place. Nothing about them themselves, but just because of how um, public they are, you can't put them in maybe the same small group or Bible study that you could anybody else who just walked in the doors without it being somewhat disruptive or invading their privacy. And so there's all of a sudden certain rules that kind of have to apply when somebody has that much sort of uh, um, public name recognition. And it makes it tough. And I think also pastors get caught up in knowing some celebrities and having certain celebrities that they're connected to. And, and so as a result, they, I don't think there is an honest with these individuals as much as they could be or as much as they are with somebody else attending their church. And it sort of becomes a challenge to do that. I don't, you know, there's ways to fix that, but it's not necessarily the pastor's fault nor the celebrity's fault. It's just sort of this human phenomenon when you have somebody that's that well known. But I think you're right. There are people that, uh, you know, uh, because they have a platform, all of a sudden are experts on everything. And oftentimes one of the things they appear to, you know, want to claim to be an expert on is faith. So what happens when you have a pastor that really wants to be a pop culture figure like Joel Osteen comes to mind and he partners up with the Kanye West and, you know, oh, we're going to have these services and maybe he's going to be this or that. And he like really leans into these type of philosophies. And to me, you know, I, I look at a Joel Osteen and I'm not afraid to say this out loud. Man, he 
he's steering so many people in the wrong direction, watering things down and giving these, you know, this prosperity type of uh, preaching that, you know, it, it's, it's, it leads people in just the, the wrong direction. And I think of that as such a dangerous thing because he's filling in these stadiums and people go crazy for his stuff. And, you know, he sells a million things and he flies around on the private jets and all of this stuff. So um, what happens when there's even the pastors that lean into it and make it as, make it part of their preaching? You know, it's, it's interesting, and I'll say this um, maybe in defense of a guy like Joel, because, you know, here I am writing this book, you know, called The Christian Left. I'm addressing all this progressive ideology, and oftentimes people will kind of bring up, you know, Joel to me um, as, as going, is this what you're talking about? Um, and, you know, I've, I've met Joel before. I've, I've, uh, I've actually attended a, uh, um, a meeting with about 150 different pastors that he was one of the people that shared there. I had not heard him ever speak, you know, publicly before and, and you know, outside of maybe catching a, a part of him on a broadcast. And I was rather impressed with the humility with which he, you know, said, look, I'm not a theologian. I don't have perfect answers to all these things. I'm an encourager. That's what I do. That's what I'm good at. Now, you know, I don't necessarily go to Joel Osteen for my theology, but I don't think that he is the poster child for Christian leftism. And I think when we're talking about the Christian left, what, what makes me more nervous are people like, you know, Jonathan Merritt, who is, you know, one of the top faith journalists in the country, you know, who's, who writes for The Atlantic, writes for Religion News Service, and is regularly presenting a version of faith that is pro-abortion, that's pro-LGBT, and really looking for every opportunity, it seems, to kind of, you know, uh, degrade and, and sort of tear down anybody that holds to still a biblical, historic, you know, or somewhat orthodox view of Christianity. And so um, are there people out there that have some maybe, you know, jumbled theology or maybe kind of lean heavy on certain doctrines? You know, I, I think absolutely. And we can look at those examples. But, you know, I think when you pull those people and you, if you were to really talk to somebody like Joel Osteen, I think personally he still very much believes in the Bible. But what we have rising up is we have a whole another wave even beyond that, that's coming very quickly. And while the church is still worried about a guy like Joel Osteen, I think there are much worse problems that are rising up that are actually taking us away from the entire nature of Christianity, even, even more so than somebody might be concerned about, uh, about Joel. Oh, very good. So what about these politicians that stand up in, in the Bible? There's masculine and fem, feminine ways of handling things. God always looked at as the masculine. But then you have politicians that'll say a woman and instead of amen. And then you have the um, more recent one. It was uh, Eric Swalwell, I believe, as part of the impeachment or whatever, said that uh, pray to her, pray to her, whoever she is, you know, referring to God. I can't remember the exact right. line, but when politicians start to use this as a way to, uh, you know, try to be politically correct or whatever, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the, those type of things? Look, the, we don't have the right to make God in our image. Uh, you know, we don't have the right. Everybody wants to kind of make Jesus look like them or look like their philosophy. And you had, I mean, we can go back to Mikhail Gorbachev and, you know, the USSR saying that Jesus was the first great socialist. You know, um, people for, you know, years, decades and centuries have been trying to kind of put their stake, you know, on God or on Jesus, paint them, you know, paint God in, in their, uh, in for, you know, with their agenda. The reality is the only thing that we have to truly define for us if that's even possible, who God is, how he is, how he operates, is the scriptures. And that, the Bible, what we know as Christians is the word of God, and that has to be our source, it has to be our anchor. 
Anytime we distance ourselves from that, and we see this in politicians, the you know, I mean, I fall a lot to the a, a man and a woman, and it, it is ludicrous. You know, in that same prayer, a lot of people got hung up with the a man, a man, a woman. He also prayed to Brahma, who was, you know, uh, this, this Hindu deity, you know, and so mm. it's, it's a form of universalism that is creeping into America that is being pushed very hard on us and is really presenting that, you know, all roads lead to God, sort of this choose your own adventure. The left needs that to succeed in order to really divide the faith vote. They are on a mission. They know the only way to win elections is if they can divide the evangelical vote in America. And the only way to divide it is to do what I call in this book, the the Christian left, is to insert this Trojan horse into the church to really kind of rise up from within and 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 begin, you know, creating dissension and and division through these these new ideologies and these new concepts. Wow. Uh, so I want to keep talking after the break, if you don't mind. There's two things that come to mind. Yeah. If you think that's a direct attack or if it's just a sign of the times, as in this is just something that's a blanket attack over all kinds of different parts of culture. But the other thing is the message that you would have to pastors and churches today when someone internally comes to them and wants to bring up some of these things. They want to lean more into critical race theory or whatever it may be, these Marxist ideas. Do you mind after the break we can keep talking about this? Let's do it. Okay, the book's called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, and author Lucas Miles will continue right after a look at your weather, too, on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons. And on Cardinal's Open Live. Sponsored in part by T.R. Hughes Homes. On your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. I love interviews like this, honestly. Uh, Joining us is the author of a book you can find called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. And Lucas Miles joining us now. Thank you for uh, spending this hour with us on Overnight America. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I wanted to ask you about maybe some messages you would have to pastors and churches today, because there could be members of the church. It could even be, you know, deacons or high ranking uh, people that are well-respected inside of the church that says, you know, we really need to consider leaning into these Marxist ideas. We we really need to uh, adapt to what the crowds want because, you know, they, uh, they definitely want to see more people in. So we got to bring in all of these uh, ideas to uh, allow for and facilitate for that sort of thing. And sometimes these pastors are faced with some you know, some pretty serious decisions and a lot of pressures from people internally to change the ways that they may be preaching the Bible. So what would your message be if uh, if one of those pastors is pushed up against that message? 
First of all, I, I understand. You know, I, I, I want to be compassionate towards the pressure that's there. I think it's, you know, oftentimes we see people maybe put out uh, materials like I just created. We, we assume that because I'm speaking out strongly on these things that, that there's not a level of compassion for what's there. You know, when you look at, say, something like, um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the racial divisions that we had in 2020, you know, that were really amplified and kind of made very public, you know, through BLM, um, you know, I think there was a real righteous cause that that uh, that was that was initiated some of that that was that was uh, an undertone there that brought a lot of people out and we saw we saw certainly elements of those that were you know wanting to uh, uh, protest peacefully and kind of make their voices be heard and I think that's a righteous thing uh, you know this was hijacked though it was hijacked by people that you know wanted to kind of take advantage of the opportunity that you know oftentimes you know we we saw the the antifa groups we saw those that just wanted to kind of you know loot and bring about destruction and so very quickly we had you know a, a thing that could have easily become a gospel issue of of wanting to you know uh, really herald equality for all people and and it was hijacked and i think that you know uh pastors that are out there deacons elders you know church leaders uh, you know, ministry leaders of all sorts, we have to remember that we have to base everything that we believe, everything that we stand upon, first and foremost, on the Word of God. You know, what we saw was, say, something like the BLM organization, which I want to distinguish from the movement that happened, was a Marxist organization that seemed to be taking advantage of people. There's already been multiple stories about, uh, you know, uh, funds that were stolen and, and misappropriated and not delivered or promises not, you know, that were made that weren't, that weren't delivered upon to, you know, really helping local communities. And behind this was this Marxist group that on their own website said things like they exist to, 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 to basically dissolve the nuclear family or disrupt the nuclear family. These are not Christian ideas. And so in our pursuit to love people, we have to make sure that we're not going beyond or outside of the path that's laid out for us in Scripture. There's nothing more unifying, there's nothing more loving than the true gospel. Certainly there's been alternative gospels that have been preached under the name of Christianity, and we could you know, go through church history and look at some of those um, that, that don't bring about peace. But the true gospel, the true Jesus, is one that brings about peace. He brings about unity. He's not about left or right. He's really about He's about kingdom and about rescuing those who are lost. And I think if we make that our mission, we can't go wrong. Yeah. I want to go back to something you mentioned before the break about how separating churches and the separating the, the messages of the churches is it's this um, it's this effort. I wonder if it's a direct attack or if it's more or less a blanket attack that just people that you see are just more anti-Christian than they used to be, and then it's just not necessarily directed specifically at breaking up churches, but it has that effect. You know, I think that there are two groups here. There is a group of people that are, um, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. They are kind of a weaponized version of the Christian left. Uh, they, are, they are using religion and using faith in order to win constituencies, in order to push an agenda um, that has very little to do with Christ, very little to do with Scripture. And, and I think there's another group that have just kind of uh, been deceived, that have fallen under bad teaching. And so I think that it's both. I think that there's an intentionality to some of it, and, and there's also others that just sort of fall into this or stumble into these false beliefs just because they're not rooted in Scripture. And, you know, one of the things I try to do, you know, in this book, The Christian Left, and I should mention, you know, we've hit number one on Amazon like three different times already in pre-release, which has just been amazing. Right. And I want to get this resource into people's hands because— 
I really believe that there is a roadmap in this to be able to, you know, to be able to really address some of these questions, answer some of these things, and really guide yourself to make sure that you're not falling, you know, prey to kind of these and drifting off into these divergent, you know, dark waters of progressive ideology. So let's say you're in a church and you start to recognize some of this is going on. Do you confront the pastor or do you just leave and find a different church? Uh, great question. I, I think that it, it probably depends at what level that is at. You know, if, if you feel like there's a relationship there or there's an opportunity, and first of all, pastoring is hard. You know, I've been, do, I've been pastoring for, you know, 20 plus years at some level, and it's hard. And you have a lot of people that want to tell you how to do your job. And I think that, you know, uh, I wouldn't use the word confront in most cases. I would use the word have a conversation. And so I think it's always good to have a conversation with your church leadership if you have questions. And it's not your job to change them. You can present your thoughts. You can present your feelings. If they're not interested in that or they don't see, you know, uh, uh, maybe they're not, they don't have a commitment still to Scripture. They don't have a commitment still to the Lordship of Jesus in the way that you believe that it's, that it's you know, uh, that you see it within the Bible— then I think at that point you just go, hey, we can agree to disagree, and I'm going to go on to the next place. It doesn't have to be insult. It doesn't have to be name-calling. You know, that only, I think, further contributes to the problem. And so there's ways to leave gracefully, uh, and there's ways to, I think, um, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, go out and seek the thing that, that you need for your family, a great Bible-believing church that's drawing you to a relationship with the Lord, you know, without just stirring up additional trouble for, for yourself and, and really discrediting the name of Christ in that way. Yeah, and the book's called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, and author Lucas Miles joining us here. And I wonder if this is part of a bigger strategy of churches, and I want to know if you're seeing more churches maybe drifting this way, or do you find that more people are you know, starting churches and they're approaching the pulpit in this more leftist way, and that's how you're starting to see the rise of it? I mean, unfortunately, I think the answer is both. I can, I can point to, you know, even in our area, you know, churches that uh, I think have started on, on great principles who over time have drifted. And, and some of those are, are small churches, some of those are very large churches, and we've seen them kind of drift over time. Other churches are, you know, right out of the gate. You have somebody that maybe is, you know, uh, fresh out of a seminary, uh, has, has really embraced. And a lot of our seminaries are, are really creating, you know, uh, a leftist. They're creating atheists. They're, they're, they're being taught to question Scripture, to, you know, question the integrity of the Bible, you know. I'm a ferocious reader. I read, you know, first century uh, Christian, you know, documents as often as I can. And I see so many proofs for Scripture, so much evidence for what we know about God, for, for validating, you know, the inerrancy of the Bible. Yeah, there is so much out there. And anybody who tells you that, you know, though the Bible's just man-made, then, you know, how do we know this or that? I, it, it's just really meant to lead people astray, to cause confusion. And I think that if you educate yourself on Scripture— on the history of the church, what you will find is is a is a religion that you can bank your eternity on, and and I think that there is uh, there's a lot of those that are setting out from the beginning to create churches that are really based upon an agenda that are leading people away from the gospel into really this progressive liberal mindset. So, like, let's say you are um, someone that's in the pew and you're there, and your pastor starts preaching this way. So, what is the direct threat to your faith when you start to see some of these messages creep in? Well, I mean, if, if you see it, it happening, that's, that's, uh, you're already at one step ahead, right? Because you, you're maybe starting to recognize that, hey, I don't know if this sounds really like the Bible. 
And ideally, you know, uh, we should be going back to Scripture ourselves when we hear a message from the pulpit and really validating that and, and, and seeing what's there. You know, uh, especially as Protestants, we don't believe that our pastors are infallible. You know, I, I've been a pastor for 20 years. There's stuff I probably would go back and say a little differently if I had the opportunity to. And, and so, you know, we need to go back to Scripture, verify these things. If we are starting to um, maybe, uh, you know, if people are, you know, really starting to hear this kind of progressive leftist Christianity from the pulpit, the danger to them ultimately is that they start dis- distancing themselves from Scripture. And I think that that is the greatest danger that the Christian left brings, is that they've downgraded the Bible to just the story of God or a narrative about God at best, and it's no longer this inerrant, you know, authoritative work that we can really base our salvation on. And so um, when that happens, I think what you're seeing is a great deconversion within the church. We have multiple Christian recording artists who have, you know, come out as, I no longer believe in Jesus anymore. I'm an atheist. I'm, a, you know, an agnostic. We have Christian authors, you know, authors, uh, um, you know, we had, there's author Matthew Paul Turner, who, you know, uh, was applauded by the Christian left for divorcing his wife and coming out as, you know, uh, as, uh, uh, as gay. And so, you know, we have these things that the left is literally applauding um, moral failure. They're applauding damaged marriages. And this has all started within kind of this Christian left movement that I think is really um, uh, has forgotten you know, the nature of the gospel and has really started worshiping something completely different uh, than what Christ intended. So uh, this is another thing. So if you're a pastor and you have that calling to lead and to be in, in front of in the, 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 the person that is uh, leading your flock, how do you yeah. not recognize the flaw in that then? If, if you really had that sort of calling, I mean, can you innocently get caught up in this uh, race theory, this Marxist approach or anything like that, just uh, accidentally, or there's got to be something in you that would raise the red flag, I would think. So I think that there are moments that raise the red flag, but I think that there's a lot of convincing arguments out there. And I actually, in the book, in this book, The Christian Left, I give give credit to, I believe, some leftists who who fall into um, progressive ideology and theology and and this, this Christian left movement out of a real desire to love people. Uh, see, there is, the, the left has done a really good job branding themselves as the party of love, as, as the party of compassion. And, you know, the right is seen as sort of stodgy, you know, old guys that, you know, uh, don't really have any grace for each other and, you know, these sort of, but we just create good memes, you know. And so it, I think that there's a lot of people that, that love people and they want to see people thrive. They want to see people healed. They want to help people. And they've been attracted to, kind of this bleeding heart of the left. But in the end, the the tools that the left are using are actually creating a a greater problem. You know, just policy-wise, you know, Marxism, socialism are not bringing about greater conditions for anybody on the planet. And so, you know, right there should be enough to distance it from it. But when we start seeing this on a spiritual level, the resources that the left and the teachings that the left are bringing from the pulpit are, are, you know, leading people away from the forgiveness of sins. You know, you never hear, you know, somebody we talked to in you know, earlier segment about Mayor Pete Buttigieg. You'll never hear him talk about the forgiveness of sin. You'll never hear him talk about eternal redemption. You'll never hear him talk about repentance. These are things that the left doesn't, they don't believe in anymore. And so they've distanced themselves from these things, and they're now projecting that on, their, on the listeners. And I think it's leading a lot of people, you know, some knowingly, some unknowingly, into, into real heretical views that are, that are disconnected from God. 
Wow. So uh, the Christian left, how liberal thought has hijacked the church. This title has not been released yet. And I was mistaken earlier because the person, maybe your publicist or whoever was doing the PR, sent me an advanced copy to preview. So um, if I said it, so it was out earlier, I apologize. Yeah, it, yeah, it's available for purchase on Amazon. It, you get it for pre-order. So if you if you purchase it today, it'll ship the day it releases from the publisher this spring. Perfect. And that's probably a great way to do it. You can find it on Amazon. And if people wanted to look you up, where can they find you? Yeah, so head over to lucasmiles.org. They can also hit me up on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Mr. Lucas Miles. That's Mr. Lucas Miles, or on Twitter at just at Lucas Miles. Great. I'd love to have you for one more segment, if that's all right. Let's do it. Lucas Miles, author of The Christian Left, which you can find online now on pre-order. It's worth your time. If you find this conversation fascinating or you want to learn more about what's going on into uh, churches today, this is a must-find for you. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. And thanks again for coming on and enjoying the night here on Overnight America. And I got to say, we podcast all of these conversations on the Overnight America podcast. You can find it. You need a link at KMOX.com. For one more segment, our guest is the author of a book that's coming out soon, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. You can pre-order it on Amazon now. Lucas Miles, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I wonder if... As an individual, some people listening here, they feel like um, it's discouraged to talk about their faith. And if it does come up, if there's conflicts with the way the world looks at something versus the way God looks at something and they stand by God, then sometimes they you know, are ridiculed. Sometimes they're shouted down or whatever it may be. And I, I feel like a lot of people have a hard time defending the word of God anymore because of the way the culture has uh, made it look like that's the, the bad thing to do. So what's your message for people that want to have conversations about these things, but uh, they feel like um, it's, it's going to be too hard or too difficult for them to do that? Yeah. So I addressed this a little bit at the end of the book, The Christian Left. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I've spent a lot of time studying some of the persecution stories of the early church in the first couple centuries, you know, of Christianity. And, you know, the the fervor, the passion, the dedication that is witnessed in these individuals that believe so strongly in the gospel that they preach, that they were willing to give it all. Uh, it's, it's really humbling. I think that we as modern Christians come so far uh, from living out uh, the faith that, that these individuals had. And, and I, I think that reading those stories for me has, has really ignited my passion. It's one of the things that's driven me to write this book, The Christian Left, to, you know, to, to remind people of really what the true gospel is, that it's worth, it's worth you know, fighting for. And I say that not in terms of violence, but in terms of you know, intellect and, and witness, and, and you know, uh, that we're reaching out in love you know, to really you know, see this message move forward. And you know, in the big scope of things, life is a terminal experience. And, you know, for me, I don't know how long I'm going to have on this earth, but here's what I know. I want, I want to live it right. And that's not just about behavior. That's not about just trying to live up some moral perfection. That's about really dedicating my life to do what God's called me to do. 
And I think these things matter. And it also matters because other people, you know, if you're a Christian and you truly believe in heaven and hell and you believe in the gospel the way it's, you know, presented through biblical Christianity, there, there is salvation at stake for people. And so, you know, for me personally, I continue pushing even at the, the risk of ridicule, even at the risk of cancel culture, because I want to see more people come into the kingdom and come to know this God who has, has really, uh, you know, demonstrated his love in my life in so many ways. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And if you believe in God and you believe in his word, why would you stand against him? I mean, why would you take some sort of whatever's popular, whatever celebrity says, whatever the culture is trying to push, whatever worldly thing that is out there, why would you take that and allow this sort of thing to compromise your faith? Why would you stand against God? I, I, I think that ultimately you have to know that these are the type of moments in history and in time and in your own life that will define you. And it's important not to compromise to things that are ungodly. And I find that happening a lot in today's world. A lot of people are discouraged, but you know, I, I can also say I feel pretty lucky if you, um, if you truly believe what you believe and you state it in a way that you believe it, normally you're all right. And you really don't care if someone else is going to try to uh, minimize your thoughts or whatever. It, in the end, it doesn't really matter. I, I think absolutely. I think we have to, you know, to really make that commitment as Christians and, and really to walk in and love towards each other to avoid some of the, you know, the retaliation that we see among the right sometimes, the, the insult wars and, and, and just, you know, tearing people down. There, there's really no place for that, I think, for the Christian. And so, you know, we can stand upon Judeo-Christian values. We can stand up for this nation. Uh, we can, you know, uh, we can be patriots. Uh, but first and foremost, we need to be Christians. And I think that's really, you know, uh, a major part of the solution in combating what we're seeing coming out of the Christian left. Great. Uh, LucasMiles.org. But if you go to Amazon, you can find your book on there now called The Christian Left. Is that the best place for people to pre-order? Yeah, absolutely. Head on over to Amazon. It's available. If you don't like Amazon, you can go to Barnes & Noble or ChristianBooks.com. Uh, but most people are heading over to Amazon and grabbing a copy there. It seems pretty good. And I've encouraged this with some of our uh, guests that, you know, if, you, if you're listening right now and this sounds like something you'd like or maybe a family member would like, nice thing about Amazon is you can order it and it just ships it to them. <laughs> you know, it just like shows up on someone else's <laughs> doorstep. So, you know, give it as a gift to someone else too. I think that's good. And I, I love the conversation. Thank you for spending a full hour with us, Lucas. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So the book, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church, you can find it on Amazon with author Lucas Miles. He joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Oh, that was wonderful. I'm so glad he spent an hour, honestly. All right, so one of the big pieces of news today was NASA successfully landing a rover on Mars. We're going to talk to journalist David W. Brown about that coming up right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.